You're listening to the Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland Podcast. Now, your weekly message from Pastor Tim McLaughlin. Hey, thank you for joining us on our podcast. I uh, hope everybody is doing well. Hopefully you've uh, had time to spend with your family, some time to rest, and to, uh, to just be with those that you love. Um, I know things are kind of crazy right now with all this uh, coronavirus going on, but uh, I want you to know that we're praying for you. And we're just praying for your safety and uh, that the Lord be with you. I want to share with you a message that I, I preached uh, last Sunday. And uh, we couldn't go to church. We were scheduled to have a church service, but we had to postpone that uh, due to the coronavirus. So I preached right here from the uh, chapel of Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland. And it's called God Has a Plan for You. God loves you and God has a plan for you. So if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. The Bible says, In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of of his glory. Now, Father, I pray that you bless our time together. Help me to say the things that I need to say. Be with me, Lord, and be with those that are listening. I pray that you give them ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to each and every one of them. And Father, we'll never fail to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it because we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, the Bible says in Ephesians, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. And then it goes on and it says that Christ should be praised to the to the glory, to his glory. Christ should be to the praise of his glory. And so when I think about what is our plan, what is the plan and the purpose that God has for us, the plan and the purpose that God has for us, for you and for I, is that we would bring praise to him, that everything that we do, that everything that we say, we would bring praise to him. Let me read this to you out of the Expanded Bible. The Expanded Bible says in Ephesians 1, 11 and 12, In Christ we were chosen to be God's people. Having received, we're given our part of an inheritance because from the very beginning God had decided this, having been predestined in keeping with His plan, and He is the one who makes everything agree or accomplishes everything in accord. With what he decided and wants, we are the first people who hoped in Christ the Messiah, and we were chosen so that we would bring praise to God's glory. You know, I, I love reading about revivals. I love reading about the the Wales revival, the Azusa Street revival the Toronto Blessing, the Argentine Revival, all the different revivals that have ever taken place. I love reading uh, about how God moved in these revivals, how the revivals got started, uh, where they're at right now. The Toronto Blessing is still going on. The Argentine Revival is still going on. I I believe so many times in the society that we live in revival has become a um, just something that churches do. It's it's a week of a year or something that people set aside to bring a guest speaker, and and that was never God's intention for revival. Revival was something that I believe God when when God brings it about, it's it's a it's something that brings about a change. It's something that lasts. Um, it may last for a series of meetings, more than just a week, but it's something that that the 
um, the fragrance of it, the the uh, transformation that took place will settle for years. And so when I think about the Brownsville revival that broke out on Father's Day 1995 and lasted for five years, I think about all that transpired. Brownsville was, was, was not a huge church at the time, but it was full of people that were seeking the Lord. It was full of people that were praying. It was full of people that were desiring transformation. And so when evangelist Steve Hill came in, it, this revival just exploded. And it exploded in the church. It exploded in the community. There was a school that was started out of that. There's been fire schools. I look at people like Daniel Kalanda that, that is now the predecessor. He's taken over um, Christ for All Nations since Reinhard Bonnke has went to be with the Lord. He came out of Brownsville. And there's just so many different ministries that so many years later, um, you know, 20, 25 years later, that, that have came out of Brownsville. That's what true revival is about. It's not just for people to have a, a week and they feel good and they feel energized. It should be something that, that the, the remnant lasts forever and continues change. So again, in 1995, when evangelist Steve Hill went to Brownsville Assembly of God, Steve, Steve Hill was a Teen Challenge graduate. And one of the things that he would say all the time during the revival was, God loves you. And God has a plan for your life. I believe then just as much as I believe today that that, that is true prophecy. You know, many today in, in what we're living through with the tornadoes that have hit Putnam County, uh, Wilson County, Davidson County, um, in our area, um, you know, many that have had to struggle, lost their, many have lost loved ones, lost their homes, lost things. Um, we're also dealing now with the coronavirus that is, you know, that, that is a worldwide pandemic. And, and so when we think about what Steve Hill said, that, that it was just as true then as it is today. There, there's truth in these things that God truly does love us and has a plan for us. Many people will, will try to tell you otherwise. Well, if God loves us, why are these things happening? If, if God loved us, why would he allow this to happen? And these people have not studied the word. These people really do not know God. I've also heard this on the flip side. I've heard a lot of different preachers preach from 2 Timothy 1.7 during all this time. And, and 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. And this is true. This is an absolute truth of God's word. But then what happens is right after they quote 2 Timothy 1.7, then they begin to pull things out of Scripture. And they begin to speak of destruction. They begin to speak of, of, of God's wrath. They begin to speak of, of, of God's... Uh, not being pleased with us in, in end time events. And all that does is invoke fear in us. So if God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, then why do we then switch gears and begin to talk to people about this being the wrath of God? The word of God says in Revelations chapter 19, verse 10, it says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What's the spirit of prophecy? The testimony of Jesus. What is the testimony of Jesus? It is your testimony of what God has done in your life through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he ascended into heaven, that he sent his Holy Spirit that lives in us. We need to understand that our testimony is one of love. Our testimony is one of victory. Our testimony is one of abundance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
but Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. That's our testimony. That's the spirit of prophecy. Listen, this this may be, there may be some judgment in this. I, I don't know. You know, people used to say all the time things about Katrina and, and different things that would happen. They would always want to refer to the judgment of God. Listen, I'm not going to say that this tornado that hit was the judgment of God. I'm not going to say that this coronavirus is the judgment of God. We've had swine flus. We've had flu A epidemics. We've had all these other epidemics that have hit our country over the years. This is, you know, we live in a world, I've said this time and time again, the, the earth is groaning right now. So we need to understand we have a testimony in the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love what the fire Bible says. The fire Bible says that true prophecy is using one's voice or communication to deliver a message from God that honors God and reveals something of his plan and purpose. Let me say that again. True prophecy is using one's voice or communication to deliver a message from God that honors God and reveals something of his plans and purpose. Listen, What we speak and the things that we do ought to encourage others, not invoke fear. Yes, you know, there's there's a lot of things that I could teach you that come from the Word of God, things about His plans. But the thing that we need to understand is the greatest plan of God, the one that is first and foremost, the one that encourages and does not bring fear, is that God loves us and has a plan for our lives. Now, Don't get sidetracked. I know so many times people hear things like, God has a plan for my life, and and they think God just has a specific plan. You know, like God's got a specific thing for Tim McLaughlin. God has a plan, okay? God has a plan. First, that plan is that that we need to to repent. We need to turn from our wicked ways. We need to surrender our life to God. God loves you, but God hates your sin, and God needs you to turn from your sin. His plan is that none should perish. The other thing is that we need to understand is this. It's, it's that sin that allows tragedies to happen. It was sin in the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God. And again, as I shared earlier, Romans 8.22 says, For since that time whole creation had groans with labor pains and birth pains together to now. The, the, the earth is groaning ever since the original sin in the garden, and it's just getting worse. We live in a world that is that, that, that is going to be destroyed. We know that Jesus is coming back someday, so the world is groaning, and part of that groaning is the storms and the tornadoes and the sickness and the things that are going on. I don't believe that it's a judgment on a specific people for a specific time. I believe it's God saying, I want my people. My plan is that people would come to repentance before my... Our, our, send Jesus back for his return. As I've mentioned many, many times over the last several weeks, John 16, 33 says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace, but in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Listen, we're going to have tribulation, but Jesus has promised us peace through the work of Jesus Christ. And he has filled us with his spirit of peace. Why? Because he loves us. Take a moment and let that sink in. God loves me. God has a plan for me. Psalm 139, verse 13 through 17 says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. 
My frame was hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! Again, we first need to understand God has a plan. We cannot get so distracted and think that God's plan for us is so unique that it that that it's just for us. He has a plan for all of humanity. God had a plan when he created mankind in his likeness and his image. But we also need to understand that his plan for humanity and his plan for the world includes us. And that's key. I love I love how Henry Blackaby says it. Henry Blackaby in his book Experiencing God says We don't choose what we will do for God. God invites us to join Him where He wants us to involve us. Listen, God God didn't choose me and say, this this guy's going to be the the executive director of Teen Challenge and and that is my sole plan. And anything outside of that is disobedience. I don't believe that for a second. But what God did is God saw how much my heart yearned and burned because of what he brought me out of that I wanted others to experience that same hope. So God invited me to join him in this ministry called Adult and Teen Challenge. That's the plan that God has is to use me where, where the gifts that he's given me are put best to work and it's in this ministry. God is the one with the plan, and we are created to fulfill that plan. God is, God is the one that put it into place. We need to walk it out. So how do we figure out what God's plan for us is? Well, three things I want to talk to you about real quickly. A, quit worrying. B, you need to separate yourself to Him, consecrate yourself to God. And C, you need to trust Him for everything you do. In Ephesians 1, verse 11 to 12, it says, In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. Quit worrying. Worry, by definition, is to give give way to anxiety or unease. Worry is to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have nothing to worry about. Now listen, my, my house was, was hit by that, the, the outskirts of the tornado. Now we didn't lose our house. We're living in our house. I've got uh, tarp on my roof. I've got duct tape on my windows. Uh, we, we've suffered some, some damage to our house, but it's livable, unlike others that lost their complete house. But this is the deal. Even when all that was going on, I'm not going to tell you that I wasn't a little bit worried, uh, a little bit frightened, may I say, uh, about what was going to happen to me and my family. But this is the reality is I had peace during that because I knew my family saved. I'm born again. If this tornado were to wipe me off, I was going to be with him in heaven to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. So I don't need to worry about this storm. I don't need to worry about this coronavirus. You know, people... I hear different preachers talking about, well, you know, I know the government says we shouldn't meet and we need to have this, um, you know, we we need to be separated and all these things. And I'm going to meet anyways. They can't tell me what to do. 
Well, the reality is this. There's also a certain thing called obedience and disobedience. And if my president, if the governor of the state of Tennessee, if the district superintendent of the Assemblies of God, if the president of uh, Teen Challenge USA all tell me, Tim, it's really not wise for you to take the ladies of Adult and Teen Challenge and go to other church services, um, I, I got to understand that that's, that's, that's authority in my life. And to go against that authority is disobedience. And then I'm setting myself up. Uh, I'm opening up the door for something bad to happen. And I'm not going to allow that. I'm not going to walk in fear of getting the coronavirus. I'm not going to walk in fear that, that there's some disease out there or some virus that's going to close down my ministry. Listen, God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. God is my healer. He's going to protect me. God is my baptizer. I know that he gives me strength to do these things, but I also have to use wisdom. So the reality is I don't worry but I do use wisdom. So the Bible says in Ephesians 1.11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. Who gets an inheritance? Those that are the children of God. Those that are heirs to Christ. Those that are of the family of Christ Jesus. Those are the ones that will receive an inheritance. So who doesn't get an inheritance? Those that are strangers, those that are unbelievers, those that are outsiders are not going to get the inheritance. Who are the ones that worry? Those strangers, those unbelievers, those outsiders, those are the ones that are gripped with fear. Those of us that are born again, we don't have to worry. We do not have to be gripped with fear because we know that God is with us and God is for us. Go with me real quick to Matthew chapter 6. And let's begin in verse number 25. Jesus here is talking to his disciples and he gave his disciples three reasons why they did not need to worry. First, he says, we should not worry because of who we are. Because of who we are. Matthew 6, verse 25 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? <laughs> Are you not more valuable than a bird, than a cow, than a horse, than a goat, than a dumb sheep? Yes, you are more valuable. We don't need to worry because of who we are. God spoke and created everything on the earth, including the birds and the animals. Everything was created by God's spoken word. But God actually made man with his own hands and his own breath. Aren't we more valuable than they? Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. We are more valuable than the animals, but because we were created in his likeness. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God loves us so much that he created us in his likeness for good works. As a child of God, we need not worry. If you're not a child of God, the good news is today is the day of salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord. Repent of your sins. Ask him to come into your heart and be Lord of your life. The second thing we need to understand here in Matthew chapter 6 
is that we should not be we should not worry because worry is worthless. Worry worthless. Listen, we don't need to worry because of who we are. If we're a child of God, we don't need to worry. And second, we don't need to worry because it doesn't it doesn't do anything for us. Matthew 6:27 says, "Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature?" Nothing. Worry is a time waster. Worry accomplishes nothing. Prayer accomplishes much. James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Again, if you're a born-again believer, the Bible says that the prayers of the righteous avail much. Or you could say it this way, The prayers of a righteous man are profitable. So what should we do when trials and tribulation come? Not worry, pray. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. In your time of need, worry is worthless, but prayer is profitable. The third thing about worry is this. We should not worry because of our testimony. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 and 32 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all, these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you have need of these things. Listen, when we worry, we're acting like those in the world who do not know their heavenly Father. That's what he's talking about when he says, for after all these things, the Gentiles see, you know, back then when, when, when Jesus is speaking, this talking about the Gentiles, they did not yet know the things of God. We live in a world today, we as Gentiles are born again believers, but there's a group of people out there that do not know the things of God. And if we tell somebody we're a Christian and we're all walking around worrying and in fret, why, why would they want to become a Christian? What difference is there between what they're dealing with and what we're doing? We don't need to worry. See, listen, tornadoes hit believers and unbelievers. Those that died that were ready to meet the Lord, those that died that were born again, as sad as it is for their family, they are rejoicing in the confidence that they have their testimony. They knew Jesus. Believers and unbelievers can get the coronavirus. Believers are going to pray and believe God and believe His Word that they are the healed of God in Christ Jesus unbelievers will worry and their confession will lead to their destruction. We can't worry. We should not worry. Worry is not profitable. We have a testimony. We have a testimony in a greater God, in a greater faith, in a greater promise that God loves us and God has a plan for us. John chapter 10, verse 27 and 30 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Listen, if you're born again, nobody, nothing can snatch you out of the hand of God. Now, this is a different message, but you can walk away from God. He gives you free will to walk away, but no one can snatch you out of. Not virus, not tornado, not any earthly thing 
can snatch you away from the Father's hand if you continue to walk in Him and trust in Him. So why do we worry? So then how do we overcome this worrying? We know it's not profitable. We know we've got a testimony. So, so how do we do this? Well, He gives us the answer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse For therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Listen, seek first the things of God. By entrusting ourselves to our Heavenly Father, we no longer have to worry about the events of life. They have been transferred from our hands to His hand. And because of that, we can walk in peace. So the first part of God's plan for you is to be confident in His promises and don't fall to worry. The second part of that is this. We need to dedicate ourselves to God. We need to consecrate ourselves to Him. The word consecration means to make or declare sacred or holy. Sanctify yourself. To be separate or dedicate one life to the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, we were created to live for the Lord, and then sin entered in, and we began to live according to the customs and sin nature of this world. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.11, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Now, don't get sidetracked. Predestined does not mean that God determined ahead of time who will be saved and who will not. Though He does know what will take place, He does not force us to make a decision or a predetermined choice. We still have to make the choice. We still have to make the decision to be part of God's overall plan or not. We have to be the ones to choose life or death, salvation or lost. So to choose life, to choose salvation, is to consecrate our lives to Him. It's to choose life for the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. We consecrate ourselves to God. We dedicate ourselves to the Lord, not to the world. Some people think you ought to end every prayer with the phrase, Lord, let your will, let it be your will. And I ask people all the time when they do that, I've heard people pray. They said, Lord, you know, we, we pray for sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so and your will be done. And I'm like, well, why do you do that? And they said, well, that's how Jesus prayed. I'm like, Jesus prayed that way one time in the Bible. In Luke 22, verses 40 through 44, we're going to look at that. But he didn't pray that way every time. So, So the Bible says in Luke 22, 40 through 44, this is where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knows he's getting ready to go to the cross. And so he begins to pray, and he's in agony, and he cries out to the Lord. He said, He said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless... Not my will, but yours be done. Listen, Jesus knew what he was sent to the earth for. His flesh was groaning because he knew what the, the cross was coming. He knew the beating was going to experience. But his spirit man said, I know the reason why I was sent, so let your will be accomplished. This is a prayer of consecration. Jesus could pray the prayer of consecration. He could pray, Father, let your will be done, knowing what the will was because Jesus knew he could walk it out. 
The question is this, when we pray, Lord, your will be done, can we truly walk it out? When I pray for someone that's sick, I don't pray, Lord, your will be done. I pray, Lord, your will is by your stripes. They are healed. God still heals today. God still delivers today. God still sets people free today. We need to pray the word of God and the promises of God that are yes and amen. That is the will of the Father. This is why it's important to know how to pray the word of God in our lives. When we know the promises of God and we pray them out, we can pray specifics over our lives and over our family. But when we pray, Father, your will be done, you better mean it. You better mean it. You better be able to walk it out. So A, quit worrying. B, consecrate yourself to the Lord. And C, we need to learn to trust Him for everything. Ephesians 6.12 says that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. Those of us that are born again have no need to worry. We have died to Christ. Now we must live a life to the praise of His glory. To trust in Christ is to declare He is our hope and He is our confident expectation. When we live our life trusting in God, we become a beacon of hope to others during times of uncertainty. People need hope today like never before. And the unbelievers will ask the Christians, where do you get such confidence? We need, to know, we need to know that. We need to live that. We need to walk that. People are looking at us. Psalm 46 one says, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Do you believe the word of God? Psalm 121 verse 7 and 8 says, The Lord shall preserve you from evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. And one of my favorites, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When the child of God believes the word and lives it out, we are saying that we believe in the hope of Jesus Christ. We shall not fear. We shall not doubt. And we shall have peace. Listen, people are watching you. Are you trusting in God? God loves you and God has a plan for your life. And God loves them and God has a plan for their life. But in order for them to understand the plan, they have to learn to trust in Him. And they're going to get that trust by watching in you. It's just like any good plan. You know, I coached football for many years. I played football and coached football. I, I wrestled in high school. I coached high school wrestling. So with any good plan, it takes execution. I can draw up a wonderful plan, but if you're not going to execute the plan, it does no good. We're never going to score. But if you, if you execute the plan, the chances of us scoring, the chances of us winning, the chances of victory are great when we execute the plan that God has. You need to know what the plan is by studying His Word and trusting in His Word. Quit worrying. Consecrate yourself to Him. Trust Him for everything. And then I want to close with this because Psalm chapter 27 has become my stand-on psalm during this time of my life with this tornado a few weeks ago, with the coronavirus going on, Psalm 27 has been something that has just continued to ring in my spirit. 
Verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Listen, we need to trust in God's Word. We need to stand upon this. It goes on and he says in verse number 5, In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me and he shall set me high upon a rock. Today, if you have worry about what is going on around you, will you call out to God who will save you, strengthen you, and give you peace? Ask Him to forgive you of your sins, to teach you to walk in His ways, and to be, to be Lord of your life. Not just your Savior, but Lord of your life. Consecrate yourself to God and trust in His ways and trust in His Word. I'm here to tell you, listen, God loves you. God has a plan for you. That plan is to give Him praise for His glory, for all that He's done in your life. Listen, He, he has spared many from that tornado. I hate for those that died, but there were many that were spared. I, I hate those that lost their home, but many of them are going to build bigger homes. I hate for some of these that have, have gotten the coronavirus, but there are many that did not. I thank God that He supplies all of my needs according to His riches and glory. I thank God that His hand is upon me and that He's protected me, that He has set me high upon a rock. I thank God that I don't need to fear, I don't need to be afraid, because He strengthens me. Man, we need, to, we need to praise God and we need to be a light to the world. People are watching you. What is your prophecy to them? Can you honestly look at people and say, God loves you and God has a plan for you and then tell them about that plan and then execute it. That's the job of the born-again believer. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to minister your word. I pray that it's blessed each and every one that hears it. I pray that you'd look over our nation. I pray for our president, that you'd speak to him, that he would bow his knee to you. I pray for his cabinet, for those that are in Congress and Senate and the judiciary, that you'd be with them. Father, I pray for our, our men and women in the, the military, and I pray for our first responders, that you'd be with them and protect them. And Father, I just pray right now, as born-again believers cry out, Father, according to your word, you said, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves that you would heal their land. Heal our land, Father God. Move this coronavirus out. Make it gone in the name of Jesus. And Father, help us to stand strong and be a light. Father, we love you and we thank you for your love for us and your plan for us. We rejoice in your goodness, Lord. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about this ministry or consider supporting, visit us at teenchallengeuc.org.